Inverloch from Dr. Drill. Trying for a run. Trap for falls. Here's Odin making a move. Tabby run towards the outside. Making ground and Polly Gray still letting down from a long way back. Dr. Drill got the run. But here's future score on the scene. Coming with big strides. Future score joining in. Taking over and coming away in the Cranbourne Cup. Future score goes on to score by two lengths. Odin second. Photo third. Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Trainers Hearts. I'm Todd Blum, your host here in the Sports Orch Studios, and that is the Melbourne Cup Carnival. She's been run and won, and what a win. Twilight payment, the Melbourne Cup going back to Tuesday. Derby Day was an excellent day as well, as it always is. Personal finally broke through in the Oaks. I'm glad I followed her because uh, she was second her last three starts beforehand. And she got that big group one for Coolmore and that operation. So congratulations to them. And Tom Dabernig and Ben Hayes continue the Lindsay Park tradition of training a group one winner in their young partnership. There's plenty more to come from them, that's for sure. And Saturday, whoo, bivouac, baby. He just, he brained them, didn't he? He was the best horse in the race and fully expect him to go on to overseas quests next year. And run extremely well for the Cadolphin Blue, Katia Queen. Gee, she was impressive in the McKinnon as well. After a very interrupted preparation, she's been up for such a long time. Very, very impressive win. Great carnival. Outstanding carnival. But that doesn't stop there. We've got the Sandown Cup this week. And then we know the Sandown Cup. It's the little cousin, little brother. Doesn't quite get the plaudits it deserves, but it's an excellent day's race. In action packed from the first to the last, including the Sandown Cup. One of the main 3,200-meter features. We don't have many of them left here in Australia. And the Zipping Classic over 2,400. Great to see some feature racing over a distance. And one man that's going to be in the thick of it is Terry Henderson from OTI Racing. And we're going to have a chat to Terry Henderson in this week's episode. And very keen to get Terry's thoughts on what's going on with the internationals. There's been a couple of casualties in the last couple of years. And Giles Thompson's been very vocal across radio and racing.com in the past week or so, that it's a serious issue and they're, they're committed to getting to the bottom of it. So we'll ask Terry what his thoughts are on the international horses. Obviously, he got a lot of experience buying and importing horses, fly-in, fly-out, as well as the one-way ticket horses. So keen to get his thoughts. We'll find out about his runners on Saturday and a little bit more about what he's learned from the past um, since they're one of the first to import horses back in 2003 that's now the norm here so let's head to terry henderson now who's been nice enough to join me on the line here in the trainer's hut terry welcome to the show Pleasure, now we'll start off with true self terry and she defended her queen elizabeth crown after again being 25th in the order of entry and coming agonizingly close to a run in the melbourne cup but gee she was impressive on saturday yeah she's a she's a Highly talented filly, especially there now, especially for an older one. She's got this tremendous uh, turn of foot, which, you know, in the right sort of race, comes in very handy as it did on the, on the weekend. Is there any thought to leave her here and, and race in Australia? Because she seems to absolutely love Flemington, or is she definitely on well, on a flight back with Willie Mullins with the aim for next year's Cup? Maybe. Well, that's that's exactly what she's aiming at. Um, no, she's going back. She is part owned by the Irish guys, and frankly, they would have been happy for her to stay here. But look, um, there are some races over. She was very unlucky in the vehicle this year. She missed out by 20 minutes, and that put pay to that, that race. Uh, and 
given that she'll ultimately be sold in Europe as a, a broodmare because she's basically got a, a very good jumping pedigree, um, we would uh, we send her back there and if everything goes well, she'll be back here again next year. Terry, before we speak a little bit more about some of the, the imports and international horses that and the, the, what OTI has done. A lot's been made in the last week or so of this fly-in, fly-out horses for the Melbourne Cup. OTI have had a lot of success with this method as well as the one-way ticket or imported horses. And Do you have a view on, on what's happening with the Melbourne Cup at the moment? I mean, is it the, is it the facilities or is it the preparation of these horses? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I think everything gets done in a rather rushed rush pattern. Fashion. And as we know with horses, that's not always the best way to do things. Um, we had 29 horses in quarantine this year, 13 of them were bought within three months of the quarantine starting. Uh, they were all bought by Australians. So when you look at the numbers for this year, so there are only four international owners, uh, and there were 20 of the horses owned by Australians. So it's rather it's rather odd that even though this was initially set up by the BRC as a means of bringing international trainers and owners and horses to the country, now what we've got are international horses, which we've got anyway because we're all buying. Uh, we've got a few international trainers. I think there were seven in total this year, and only four international owners. So you just wonder whether really the, what the reason for quarantine being set up in the first place is still still justified given it's extremely expensive but it's really now more a means of Australian owners getting the horses here expeditiously than it is to encourage the national connections to come but um, I think they have to work out first whether the original intention is still being met they've done a great job in using these internationals to keep the Melbourne Cup front and centre of everybody's mind and that's great but what was happening 10 years ago is certainly not what's happening now. By that, you mean that the the internationals were bringing the horses out more than, more than Australians were purchasing international horses and importing them? Is that what you're referring to there? Yes, exactly, yeah. There were more international horses coming out and going back. Now, you know, there are very few going back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and especially this year too, there would have been a lot of horses that were in that quarantine centre. I know the Freedmans with Delphi, who won the Irish St. Ledger, and uh, Peter Moody's horse, Nicky Jack Cave, that didn't even hit the track or anything, and it's just, it's an easier way to quarantine them, as you said. Well, uh, uh, and most of them didn't hit the track because they had a hit back. Um, only, there were 29 horses came into quarantine, only 20 of them started in races during the carnival. Now, quarantine was set up for horses to run in the carnival. You know, when, you, when you've got over 20, over, over 25 percent of not even making it to the carnival, you, you wonder what, what's going wrong. Would there be more sense in uh, setting up a separate quarantine for the fly-in, fly-out horses, the O'Briens and things like that, compared to the imported horses, or it's just sort of drawing sticks there? Well, um, this year what they did is after two weeks they kicked out all the locally trained horses you know, the likes of the ones that came in with Kiramar or Matramani or Anthony Friedman or uh, Peter Moody, they all got, they all only stayed at Werribee for two weeks. Yeah. And they went to their own stables. The ones that stayed there were the ones that were uh, trained by the international trainers. So there were very few there. Um, predominantly, got, you know, Coolmore, who started with six um, horses, and, and Joseph, who started with three. 
So, you know, I, I don't think setting up a separate quarantine facility is going to do any, anything. I think the other thing you've got, got to remember is that so many of these horses have had a hard year anyway in Europe. So if they're going to have an injury, it's going to be when they get out to Australia at the end of their season. And moving them from Werribee is not going to fix that in by itself. Um, sure, Werribee is very different from the sorts of facilities they train on overseas, you know, where there's straight tracks and, you know, Werribee, we've got turns and we've got, you know, a synthetic track, which they do have overseas. But, but generally, the, the style of training that they're required to undertake in Australia is very different from what it is overseas. And that in itself puts different pressure on horses' uh, joints. Uh, and uh, as a result, you know, we, we've had injuries. Yeah, it's certainly uh, something that there's a lot left to play out. I'm sure the powers to be are going to spend a, the appropriate resources and, and try and get to the bottom of, of what's happening. But we'll move on, Terry. We've spoken about the importing of horses, and I believe OTI started importing horses from Europe around 2003. Do you remember the first horse you brought to Australia from overseas? Yes, I do. It was a horse called Mabili, uh, and he was pretty useless. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think we, we uh, may have been the uh, victim of a little bit of, um, call it, uh, licence by the vendors of the horse. Um, anyway, he, we couldn't get him to run a yard out here, to be honest. Uh, and, but we were looking at those sorts of horses then. We thought that these were going to be the horses that were going to change Place of staying racing in Australia, and, um, and we quickly the next horse was Huck's Dancer, and he was he was quite different again. He'd never raced under three thousand metres when he arrived here. Uh, he ran in a cup for the international connections. We then bought half of him, and uh, in his first race for us in Australia, uh, he uh, he won the um, what's now known as the Macquarie Diva. That was a great experience. The first couple I remember, Hugs Dancer, you mentioned. I remember Anankov, Anankov, and Short, well, short you know, Paws. Was a little, uh, well, Short Paws wasn't all that flash. He was, he was a highly credentialed horse, but just didn't adapt to the Australian way. Probably preferred wet tracks more than he did out style. So he, he certainly wasn't the pass. But Anankov was a very serviceable horse, a really nice horse, and he came out and, uh, and he won. Uh, probably five or six hundred thousand, and then went off to be a stallion. So uh, it, was, it was quite a good haul. So very early days, we had very big success. To be honest, what what are some of the main things you've learned in that time from back back around two thousand and three to now in terms of the right horse to select, or or what do you think which horse will suit the conditions in Australia? We we call it due diligence, and we look at buying these horses in the same way as we look at. You know, making an investment in anything else. Horses are always a good investment. But So, obviously, we look at the horse's form. We look at the conditions that it's raced uh, under. Uh, we're very, very big on the clock. Um, in England, you can't so much take any notice of the clock because of the style of the tracks, but in France, you can. So, we look for a turn of foot. And physically, uh, we usually look for horses with shorter pastons, shorter cannons, horses that are going to adapt to the Australian style of, of track. Uh, look for very good feet. Feet's one of the biggest bugbears of these European horses. And uh, when they get here, because they've obviously not been racing on, on the firmer ground, so their feet are very, very susceptible 
uh, to uh, injury of the pedal bone area. So really we look for we look for a whole raft of things that go into making up what we consider as going to be a you know, a, a serviceable horse. Ironically, one of the things that we look at last is breeding because we buy, when we buy going horses, we're more interested in how they race, what they've done, uh, what their confirmation is like and what their general health is like. Uh, and the breeding we then rely on to give us an indication of what the distance range might be. But, you know, you take a horse like Hug Stanson, for example, well, if you took it on breeding alone, he never would have won a, a group two over 1,600 metres. Managar um, had never raced under 2,500 metres before he got to Peter Hoogies. And he won second up group three race over 1,600 metres. So, you know, you, you breeding flying going horses is an only an indicator, but it's certainly not something that I think you should rely on initially to make your assessment. Well, that's one thing I was going to say that's changed. Anikov by Dane Hill and Short Paws by Saddle as well, as there's not too many of them anymore. It's sons of sons of at the moment, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Instead of just buying horses at uh, horses in training sale or, or off the track and flying them straight out, you've set up an office over there in Chante as well, and, and like True Self, you race horses in Europe as well, Terry? Yeah, we've raced horses um, now in Europe for about 10 years. Uh, probably more. Um, it's a means of gaining access to them. We, we don't believe in paying the very high prices that a number of people are happy to do. Um, and the way that we can get around that is to buy horses, leave them with their European trainers, and uh, and then go from there. We buy very very few horses out of horses in training sales, simply because we can't we can't do the due diligence that's required when you make a private purchase. So we'd much rather buy privately than through um, through a horse in training sale. I think it's uh, horses in training sale can be a lucky dip in many ways, uh, and unless you've got access even through the trainer to the way that horse uh, has been trained and what its general health is like, it's, it is very much a lucky dip. The Melbourne Cup Carnival is over for another year, and. The Sandown feature is on this week, and OTI have had a lot of success on the day in uh, recent years. And I was actually there in 2014 when you did the double. Au Revoir won the Zipping Classic, and Renew won the Sandown Cup for an up-and-coming Archie Alexander. OTI looked to go back-to-back after a Zeros win last year with San Herberto in the Sandown Cup with another young trainee who's thrown a lot of support behind Matt Kamani. Yeah, no, well, he, he'll run well, um, San Gilberto. He's certainly carrying his share of weight, but um, he'll strip a very different horse than he think you saw at Geelong Cup Day. Uh, and um, we're expecting him to really run a really nice race. And a two-pronged attack in the Zipping Classic with the very progressive future score also with Matt Kamani and the Matthew Smith-trained attorney. Yeah, well, future score, uh, as you know, won the... Uh, Cranbourne Cup very impressively is in quite unlucky in the uh, Lexus or the Hotham so uh, you know we were sort of licking our wounds a little bit after that race because he didn't have any luck in the run at all in the race at all uh, and uh, attorney well he he's, uh, he's in really good form source um, he uh, won a group three up in Sydney he started before last then ran a nice race 
last start. Uh, we were going to bring him down last week for the Queen Elizabeth, but decided on the Zipping Classic. So Matt gave him a trial early in the week, and he seemed very sharp. So uh, he's flying down tonight. And Matt Kamani is a trainee of thrown a lot of support behind and, and Archie Alexander I mentioned as well is it's been a, a trait of OTI to throw some weight behind these up and coming trainers who have a, a really good background for training and conditioning stayers well I think um, these tra- guys are training very well as trainers they arrive over here with a proper uh, training regime behind them and something that I think we lack in Australia for young people that want to go into the industry and uh, as a result of that, uh, we we're very happy to support them both when they when they arrived over here. And, and we've since seen other guys, uh, Dave Eustace, who's with Kieran Maher. He's had that same sort of experience in the in Europe, and we've seen what's happened to that stable under the uh, Maher-Eustace partnership. Uh, we've also seen it happen with young Sam Friedman, who's joined his father. You know, Sam spent uh, a couple of years in, in Europe, and uh, he's come back uh, with that the benefit of that training behind him. And, uh, of course, that stable also has progressed enormously. So, you know, I think it's it's wonderful when these young guys have got the benefit of having that, uh, what you might call more formal education uh, on training horses. Sam Friedman is, uh, for mine, one of the uh, hottest young up-and-coming prospects in the industry. He speaks well. He obviously trains very well and he's got a very good he's got a lifelong training uh, pedigree behind him doesn't he yes although i know it wasn't always his intention to be a horse trainer but <laughs> as we know so often it's a hard industry to believe once you've had a taste of it oh it is that's so often the case they say oh we went to uni to do this or something but instead of picking up the books the best bets was in the hand and then they come back around but uh the dunkeld cup also this saturday Terry, and another feature of OTI is they often have a, a runner in these big country cup meetings, and they're often really good days. Dunkeld Cup days, they're going to miss the crowd at that spectacular track this year, unfortunately, but we'll be back bigger and stronger next year. And Southern Rock, a new approach for Archie Alexander goes around. Yeah, well, he's, he's typical of one of these uh, horses that was just so-so in his first preparation in Australia. He's, he's quite a nice horse. Um... And we saw a horse like Barad um, win last uh, last weekend. Um, you know, he in his first prep in Australia, he couldn't get out of his own way. Uh, and Southern Cross is a bit the same. So we're hoping for a really good run from him on the weekend and perhaps laying a foundation to go on to better things in this prep. But he's quite a nice horse. Um, front-running style of horse, tough. Um, and, you know, we, we'd hope that he, he runs a really good race. I know one of the owners of Barad. He had a he had a couple of bucks each way the other day when he won at Flemington. He was very very happy. Let me tell you, with the win, <laughs> as we all were, I'd say relieved more than happy. Uh, Terry, have you got one to follow for the Cup next year? I know we've spoken about Future Score. He seems to be a a horse well and truly on the way up, and and I'd love to see him in another twelve months. You know, with that bit more grounding and and. Uh, acclimatisation, but is there is there an early prospect for the Melbourne Cup that the listeners can follow through till next year? Uh, well, I think, you know, as I say, these horses that come out are so often a little disappointing in their first preparation. Uh, I certainly wouldn't give up on a horse like Young Rascal, um, who 
was impressive uh, when he was sent out from England uh, during the Autumn Carnival in Sydney. Uh, he wasn't impressive during his first carnival with Archie, but he'll acclimatise, so he's still there. There's one with Chris Waller, who we gave one race to, called Celino, S-E-L-I-N-O. Uh, he ran second in the Doncaster Cup. We gave him one run out here uh, during the carnival. He was just so-so, but he'll acclimatise and this time next year. We'd, we'd really like to see him right up there. And he's only a, he's a, he's only a four-year-old. He's the same as Sandy Berto. Sandy Berto's only four, the European time. So he'll be around again next year. And maybe another one is a three-year-old and he's, in, he's still in Wicket and in work in Sydney. He ran a really good race first up and um, that's a horse called Sound of Cannons with John O'Shea in Sydney. I think he'll, uh, he'll make into a really nice horse as, as we get through the year. But look, it's um, 12 months is a long time in this game and horses you know, lose their form for a prep and then come back. And So with, there's plenty of ammunition there. You just hope that some of it's firing at the right time. Absolutely. Before I let you go, Terry, someone listening out there, the uh, Trainers Hut audience, they're very familiar with the OTI name. They want to get involved by sharing a horse. How do they get in touch with the organisation, Terry? Uh, well, we've got a very easy website to remember. It's just www.oti.com.au. And, uh, and it's all the, all the uh, right the guides are in on that website to, uh, to make contact with us. And there are always plenty of lovely horses coming through the system to look at. Terry, thank you very much for taking the time joining me in the trainer's hut. All the best for Saturday. We'll be keeping a close eye on the OTI runners and in the build-up to the Melbourne Cup path next year as well. Thanks, Tom. Good luck. Terry Henderson joining me there in the trainer's hut. It's one of the leading syndication companies, not only here in Australia, but globally, as you heard, the officers, main office in Melbourne, the offices in Sydney and Chantilly in France as well. As we mentioned in the chat, there are a couple to follow for the Cup. We know the Trainers Hunt listeners will know that we're on the Melbourne Cup path this year and very much looking forward to that next year as we look uh, heading towards winding this season of the podcast up. But don't worry, we'll be back bigger and better next year. That's for sure. The Melbourne Cup path is going to be one that uh, it's going to very much look forward to bringing to Salino, S-E-L-I-N-O, as uh, Terry said with Chris Waller is one to keep an eye on, and Sound of Cannons. I'm glad he said Sound of Cannons because he's one that I've had my eye on. I noticed he he ran a couple of weeks ago, and he was just one that got put in the black book and just wanted to keep an eye on, so I'm glad to hear him mention that one. But uh, some very, very interesting points that Terry raised about the quarantine and that sort of thing, and as we said off the uh, top of the show, it's been a big issue, and it's an issue that's not going to go away. Um, as, as although it's a year until the next Melbourne Cup, there's definitely you know the, and race Victoria, the VRC, they're well aware that it is a big issue and they're going to be focusing a lot on it. So we look forward to seeing how that plays out. But some good points raised by Terry as well, who as we know was very very experienced in the field of importing horses. That's it for this week's edition of the Trainers Hut. I'm Todd Blum. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe and follow on. Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the show also available on Podbean. That's it for this week's edition. I'll see you next time in the trainer's hut on Top Blum. See you then.